0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise my Lord Thank you, Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you may be seated, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. How many are happy to be here today? Amen. Glad to see our pastor back. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Him and his wife. Good to have him back. Missed him last week. Amen. Good to see everyone here in the house of the Lord. Good to see new faces. I've been dealing with this message that God has given me from the time that our pastor texts us, and he gives us scriptures or he gives us a thought or something meant to go over what God wants to bring to us. And of course, God always deals with us first. Amen. And so it's always, what do you want to see in me, God? Or what are you trying to show me? And today, as I begin to pray and throughout the week and this morning, you know, I feel we'll never, ever measure up. Amen? Amen. As a human being, as a man, I'll never, ever measure up in my own mind. I'll never, ever measure up to what I set as far as how I want to be, or how I look at myself and how I should be as a man of God, or as a Christian, or as a husband, or as a friend, I'll never, ever measure up. And so because I'll never, ever measure up, I'll tend to hide. And today, the message... That I present to you a simple title. It's called Hide and Seek. I don't know if Dean was able to get that for me. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The simple message is Hide and Seek. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and 16, the verse says, Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me. Stay and I will tell you. If you would just close your eyes today. Wonderful God, we thank you, Lord, once again, for allowing us to be here. God, thank you, God, that you've given me another opportunity, God, another chance, Lord, to break open the bread of life, God. We sit here today in this place wanting to know you, wanting to receive from you, wanting to have you, God, in our life. Even though we don't measure up, God, in our own mind, we know, Lord, that you are Lord of lords and king of kings, God. We know you sit on the throne, Wonderful God, and we rebuke any hindering spirit today. Anything that would keep us down, Lord. Anything, God, that would keep us from you, Lord. We bind it in the name of Jesus and the church say, Amen. 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 First Samuel 15 and 16. Saul has just finished the battle. He's just come back from war. He's come back from victory, just like the song we sang in the beginning, victory. He's singing a song of victory, him and his men. They're singing a song of triumph. They're singing a song of greatness. They just flexed their muscles in the nation of Amalek, and they whooped them. Saul has his king bound. He has this king, Agag, at his mercy, hand on his throat, and he's walking around on cloud nine. And he's saying, look what I have done. Look at me now. I'm on top of the world. Amen. I have done the impossible. I've taken the king that everybody feared. And I brought him into the grips of my hand. Now you got to understand, this Amalek, these people were not just ordinary people. These were the people that attacked the children of Israel the moment they came out of Egypt. The moment that they were tired and thirsty and hungered, they came out of nowhere and attacked them. And because of that, God said, I will always have war with Amalek. I will destroy them. In the rabbinical studies, it says that God had even said, before I even establish my throne and my kingdom, I will wipe these people out. That's how much God hated Amalek. And so God anoints a king, but he doesn't anoint a king. This is what's funny. When you read about Saul, the Bible says at chapter 10, when you begin to read about him, the Bible says, Samuel says, I've come to anoint you to be the captain of the Lord's heritage. It doesn't say, I've come to anoint you to be king. Okay? It's the people that wanted the king, it was God that wanted the captain. There's a difference. The people wanted the king. Why? Because they wanted to be like everybody else. But see, God said, I want a captain. Someone who can take orders. Someone who can do my bidding. Someone who will be at my beck and call. Someone who's on duty. Someone who doesn't forget his duty. Someone who understands that the moment I wake him up out of his sleep, he's ready to go. He's ready to fight. That's the difference. The people wanted a king. Someone to kick back. Someone to say, look, here's the glorious one. Look at our nation. Look at how great we are. But God wanted the captain. Amen. God wanted the captain. And as he anoints Saul, God does something. He gives Saul a new heart. He gives him a heart. That would allow God to deal with him. A heart that can come in and welcome the Lord, welcome the man of God, welcome the prophet so that he can hear God and know God. But it's funny because a few more chapters later, he has a totally different heart. He doesn't have that heart that God gave him, it's switched. It went from being a captain to being a king. That's what, you know, when I began to study this, this is what kind of threw me for a loop. He went from being a captain to being a king. You see, the captain, he understands authority. Being in the military, I understand authority. But the king, he only answers to himself. That's what I'm getting at. A king takes no orders from anybody. A king doesn't have to be told what to do. He has the reign of it all. He owns it all. He can do whatever he wants. And so he went from a captain mindset to a king mindset. Well, why is that? How could that have happened? This is God. If you read in the scripture, the Bible says God changed his heart. How could he have done that? How could he have went from captain to a king? Understanding he was placed in the position of a king. He was given everything to him. Everybody had to give him servants. Everybody had to give him property. What's funny is the heart comes... Because God understood who Saul was. The moment he gets anointed, he begins to prophesy. It's shown that the spirit of God is upon this individual. And then the moment that he's going to be presented to the people, guess what? He's hiding. The Bible says that he's hiding Behind the stuff. Now hold on. He just got anointed. God just changed his heart. And yet he's. Doing that. Hiding. The Bible says. And Samuel says. Where is he? And they had to inquire of the Lord. They couldn't find him pastor. Now that tells me. He knew some good hiding spots. Amen. He knew where to hide. He knew how to hide. And it's funny, he starts off looking for his father's cattle who's hiding from him. Amen? Hide and seek. The Bible says they had to inquire of the Lord. That means nobody in the kingdom knew where he was. They had to actually go to God. Because God knows all things. Amen? And God says, here he is over here. And they get him and they present him. And his first task is to battle. Why? Because God was trying to take the fear out of his mind. You see, Saul didn't measure up in his own mind. He looked at himself as something, as nothing. How could I do this? He himself, the Bible says, you look at yourself as someone small. He he stood above the rest. Amen. As some of you know, I've got a son-in-law now. Well, soon to be son-in-law. My, my daughter's engaged over here. Yeah. He stands ahead above me. When he stands up, he's, he's tall. Amen. That was so. Above all his countrymen, he stood tall. Yet in his mind, he felt little. In his mind, he wanted to hide. In his mind, he didn't measure up. How many times do we come to God or we come to church and we want God and we want this. But somehow something in the back of our mind tells us you don't measure up. You can't do it. You're not good enough. You don't look the part. You don't sound the part. You can't sing. And I want to piggyback off Brother Anthony from last week. The fear, the fear grips us in each and every way. Yeah. It comes at us in different directions. It comes at us from people. But most of all, it comes from us from our mind. Yes. And so Saul finds himself in battle. And he finds himself in victory after victory after victory. And finally, God, I'm getting rid of this fear. Finally, I can get rid of this fear that I have. But the problem, again, is he puts himself too high now. Now he's on the other side. Now I'm high-minded. Now I'm conceited. Where am I supposed to be in God? How do I play the leveling field, Pastor? How is it that one moment I can feel like nothing, and then the next moment feel like I can take on the world? How do I keep that level playing field? And God began to speak to me, because that's how I deal with myself. I am someone who seems to be nothing to myself. I'm someone who had told myself, there's no way you can get behind that pulpit. There's no way you can do this. I'm nobody. I don't think I can do it. And then there's times where I feel like I'm on top of the world. There's times where I feel like I can do everything. And the next thing I know it, I feel like I'm judging everybody. Because now I'm standing on top of my righteousness. I'm standing on top of my battles. Come on. Good. Because Amen. what's happening is I'm thinking that I have the strength now that God has given me. Not understanding that it's his strength Amen. that is continually allowing me to do it. Amen. So what do I do? I asked God this. He showed me. He, he put a hurt on me. <laughs> and he yes. says, I'm going to show you. Amen. And what he showed me, I'll share with you. Right. Thank you. Humans. We have the greatest struggle in serving God. The greatest struggle that we have in serving God is self. How do we get self out of the way? Because we are our worst enemy. Now this is something that God showed me. And I shared it with my wife. And he said it's not that other people that are against you. Don't fear people. It's not that they're against you. It's not that they're trying to hurt you. Okay? Because that's fear. If I don't do this, I'm going to be laughed at. If I don't do this, this is going to happen. Don't worry about people. They're not out to get you. You have to understand they're just selfish. They are out for themselves. If you can look at people and say, when the hurt comes... It's not that they want to hurt me. They're just looking out for themselves. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we're self-promoting. We're self-absorbed. What can I say in this situation that will put me on top? What is it that I can do to this? I don't really want to do anything bad to the individual because I'm a good person. But, man, I really want that job. I really want this position How can I go about and hide and at the right moment, come out and say something that will put me in the spotlight? Amen. Why? Because if I don't get it, I'm nothing. If I don't receive it, I'm nothing. Because I'm little in my sight. I'm little in my eyes. And I need this. To make me something, Pastor. If I could just get this promotion. If I could just get right with this person. Or do this so we can make this person look bad. And then now we're together. Because I'm really good friends with this individual. I don't really like this one. But I I see them talking the most. But I want to be friends with this person. How can I hide and come out at the right moment say the right thing so that it puts me on top now. You see, that was what happened to Saul. He understood that he was anointed. He understood he was made king. He understood all that. But that's how he dealt with his fear. Instead of giving it to God, God changed his heart. Why would God change his heart? So that he could realize the heart or the emotions can come into the logic and begin to work on his mind and say, You don't have to think like that no more. Yes. You don't have to tell yourself you're nobody no more. Fill me, feel my presence. You can feel my spirit. Hallelujah. Let that overwhelm you with joy. Rely on me, not in your mind. Yes. Amen. 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 We'll get to that point. God, man, God put a hurt Amen. on me. Amen. Come on because when you rely on logic what happens is you're looking for other logic what is this person saying what is that person saying oh man that sounds good let me mix that in with what i think oh i'm gonna agree but i don't agree with that one and you begin to take logic and mix it with logic And all of a sudden, Saul is listening to his men. They're in victory. They're in battle. They've taken the king. And they look at the riches. Why do we have to destroy this, Saul? Come on. Why don't we just offer up some of it to God? Come on, Saul. And Saul, already his heart hardened. At this point, his heart was already hardened. He already began to rely on logic instead of his heart. Mm -hmm. He says, yeah, you know what? I wasn't there, but I could imagine. You're right. You know what? God wouldn't want us to kill all of this. God wouldn't want us to just destroy it. Man, we can take. This is some good cattle. Now, the rabbinical studies. I almost said the Bible, amen? The rabbinical studies said Amalek was a rich nation. They had great wealth there's no way God wants us to, to just take this and kill it we'll kill all the people but we'll save the cattle because I know what cattle is worth my dad had cattle and he didn't have cattle like this pastor this is worth some money again logic what did God tell you Saul kill everything. I want it wiped out. Come on, God. Why do you mean I have to get rid of that? God, what do you? Come on, Lord. Come on, God. You, you know you have me already. You know I love you. Come on, I don't. They're just friends. They're just family. I don't do nothing. Logic logic and I say this because that's what I do I'm talking about me God dealt with me first he dealt with me every time I want to use you, every time I want to bless you, every time I want to take you to that next level logic comes into play logic, thinking, how do I do this why can't I do this I'm no good, and fear begins to set in like Brother Anthony says Fear will begin to come into the heart. Now instead of joy and happiness and and the great emotion of God coming from my heart, guess what? Logic, fear, disappointment, not meeting up begins to come back into my heart. And before you know it, it's done this to me. And now I'm hiding. Sin has a lot to do with that. When Adam sinned, God came at the right moment every day, just like He would, and He was gone. But sin cannot keep God away as long as you're willing to give it up. Because even then, He called for Adam. He knew where Adam was because this is God. God knew Adam was hiding. Adam! Yeah, God? coming out of the bushes. What are you doing over there? Uh, I'm naked. Who told you you're naked. Come on, God knows. But he understands we're human. He understands we have to use logic. So he converses with us. So that we can see, because sometimes, guess what? We come to our own conclusions and we understand we are nobody. I am no, I do need to repent. I am a nobody person in my own eyes. I have to come to repentance because I am sinful, and I need a God to cover me. Yeah. And He does that. He sheds his, uh, animal's blood to cover Adam. But this time, He comes to Saul. And when you read this, man, it's a, it's a, there's a lot going on. When Pastor sent me this, call, I was like, Oh Lord, what a good there's a lot going on in this passage. I think that Anthony said that last week too. <laughs> like, I mean, there's a lot of angles. Samuel's crying for Saul. Here's the prophet crying for Saul, and God saying, "Hey, get up. Uh-uh, he's done. Because this is what I want you to tell him." And here's Samuel. Samuel. Hey, I can imagine Samuel like, "Saul, sit down." I have something to say. And here's Saul. He's still happy. He just won a battle. He's got the king. Okay, tell me what God has to say. I want to hear. Amen. He was so far gone that he didn't even understand God was going to pass judgment on him. He was already to a state of mind that logic took over where his, he suppressed the heart He suppressed the spirit how many times and I can I can raise my hand. I've been in church services and I felt the move of God and I've heard the preacher say someone tonight, if they don't get right, they could die and go straight to hell. And as God is my witness, I've sat on the bench. And I sat there and I felt the tug of the spirit on my heart and I'm logically telling myself, no, I don't want it. This is what I want to do. I have my own plans and I'm struggling back and forth and the time passes. And you know what I've done? I said, Whoa. I've gone from that conviction. I'm still good. My parents still are in church. I'm going to be in church next Sunday. And I go on doing my own thing. My God. Doing my own thing. Amen. Why? Because I logically talked myself out of what my heart told me to do. That's what Saul did. And God said, this is what you do. Believe me, I'm talking to myself. Okay? He says, this is what you do. You talk yourself out. You you." You convince yourself. I said, okay, God, what do I do? What do I do? How do I do this? He said, look into the scriptures. Matthew 6 and 10. It says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, don't you know that my will is constantly done in heaven? Praises constantly go out. I said, okay, I know that. I know you're God. These angels have to obey you. He says, you don't take my will seriously. He told me this. I'm telling you. Everything I'm telling you, he tells me first. He goes, you don't take my will seriously. I said, well, what do you mean? He said... Who was the last person to get kicked out of heaven? So Lucifer and his angels. He said, that's how serious I take my will. If you're not going to do what I want you to do, then you're out of here. Oh, shoot. Okay, God, <laughs> I see that one. He says, so now what's the other problem? The other problem is getting you, who says you love me, to do my will. Lord, have mercy on me. Good. God have mercy. He said, I want you to serve me. I want you to love me. I want all that. But most of all, I want my will done in you. I want you to do my will. I want you to go out and do what I'm telling you to do. He says, That's the that's what I'm trying to do on earth. I'm trying to reach individuals move upon the congregation. Those that are looking, those that are wanting their hearts changing, he goes, I'll change them. I'll change them in a minute. All they have to do is say, God, Jesus, I'm yours. He goes, I'll change it just like that. They don't have to be baptized first. All they have to do is want me, he says, and I'll change it. He goes, but they have to not logically talk themselves out of it. I said, okay, God, I understand that. He says, look, I want you to dethrone yourself. I was like, oh, shoot. What do you mean dethroned? He goes, you have a throne in your heart. Everybody has a throne in their heart. He says, and you sit on that throne. That's where judgment comes. That's where looking at this comes. That's not right. That's not why, because I'm on my throne. And I'm judging now. Why? Because I'm good. I just got anointed. I'm good, Pastor. I had a good service. I just got anointed. Let me go ahead and sit back on my throne. I can get out of my hiding spot now. Right? I can get out of my hiding spot because God just touched me at a good Sunday service. Now I can sit on my throne. He said, no. Get out of the throne. He goes, the reason why people can't get over what they have is because they can't dethrone it. Drugs, dethrone. Alcohol, dethrone. Anger, dethroned. You have to understand what moves you. What is occupying your heart. Whatever it is, all you got to do is dethrone it. I was telling my daughter, there are people without God that go to AA and they've been alcoholics, drugs, addicts, everything. And they ain't got God, but all of a sudden they're clean for 10 years, clean for 15 years. Why? Because they dethroned it out of their heart. They said, I'll never, ever obey it. I'll take their place. That's logic. That's human. Can you imagine God? How do I reach that though? We're getting there. How do I reach that place? Amen. Luke 2, 4, 9. It says, and he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? West, you know, not that I must be about my father's business. If you've been in church a long time, this is when Jesus was a lad, a little boy. And his parents were looking for him. They couldn't find him. Three days pass and they find him and he's talking to the scribes and they're marveling at his words because for such a young man, he had understanding and they were upset and they asked him, Hey, don't you know, we've been looking for you. What do you mean? Why are you looking for me? Well, you're supposed to be with us. Don't you know I have some business here on earth? That's—I mean, look. Think about it. This little twelve-year-old boy looked at his mom and dad and said, "Hey, don't you know?" He—he he, his his mind was like, "Hello, God gave you to me. He gave me you for a purpose. Uh, don't you guys know this?" <laughs> Amen. Think about it. There's a little boy telling you. And that's what God does to us sometimes, Pastor. God, what do you mean I have to do this? Don't you know you're supposed to be doing my will? Don't you know you're supposed to be doing this? Why are you questioning it? Right? Right. So even at a young age, he understood I had to do the will of my father. Why? Because he is king. So I said, God, how do I do this then? He says you need to dethrone yourself, dethrone anything that moves you into fear, and put me on the throne. That's the key. That's the key. It's not hard. Put me on the throne. Let me sit on the throne, your heart. Every time that drug, every time that alcohol, every time that judgment, every time everything that persuades us to go the wrong way. You have to realize, nope, he's on the throne. He's sitting on my heart. God, you're on my heart. Not the drugs, not the alcohol, not the anger, not me, God, but you are on my heart. And if you, God, are on my throne, if you're sitting on my heart, God, tell me your will, I'll do it. Tell me your will, I'll do it. He says that's the key. Luke 22, 42, he says, saying, Father, if thy will be done, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but my will, your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. This is something that Jesus himself understood. God, if you're... If you could just take it from me as a human being, logically, I know I shouldn't die. My body does not want to die. To die is unnatural. Everybody wants to live, right? Come on now. Unless you're struggling in your mind. And if you're struggling in your mind, then you need to dethrone it and rebuke it and let God take its place. But it's unnatural. And say, God, I want it to pass. But you know what, Lord? Even unto death, thy will be done. Man, that's tough. Temptations come our way. Friends, come on. You don't have to go to church all the time. Family, come on. Why can't we go do this at the park? Why can't we get together? I'm throwing a party. Come on, it's, it's uh, my nephew's birthday. Why do you have to be in church? Don't you go to church all the time? Your pastor, he'll... Come on, just text your pastor. He'll understand. Amen? Amen? Minds from everywhere. Temptation comes. I was telling my daughter, did you know that there was another temptation of Jesus? When he was on the cross, he was tempted. He's sitting up there dying, feeling pain, hurt. And he gets this guy on this side who was self-absorbed because he says if you are the son of god save yourself and save me that's selfish he wasn't really interested in god he just wanted to get off the cross you don't think god was sitting there going i have the power you know what i mean i have thy will be done lord thy will be done he was even tempted at the cross god Jesus had all power and authority. At a moment of a snap, he could have came off that. He could have wiped all his enemies out because he was given the power and authority. But he did it for an example for us. So that when we're dying, when we're killing the flesh, when we're trying to dethrone the things that are taking a hold of us and controlling us, We'll sit there and say, no, no. Think about it. I I was Pastor. I was pondering about that. Think about it. It just, you know, the scripture just writes it. Oh, if you're the son of God, save you and save us. Oh, man. Can you imagine? This guy was dying. Come on. Aren't you heal people? You save people. Can't you save me? Come on. Can't you? I thought you were here to save. he was throwing everything at Jesus. I want to be off this cross and you can't do it? Come on, what's wrong with you? did you, did you walk on water? Good, Jesus. And Jesus doesn't do anything. He doesn't save him. He doesn't even answer his cries. But there was one more individual that was to the next of him. And he said, Jesus, You don't deserve what you're getting. But I do. I know what kind of a person I was. I deserve it. I understand I'm going to die. I understand I'm not going to come off this cross. But if you could, Lord, remember me. I know I deserve it. I know I'm nothing in my mind. Logically, he's thinking this. But what's happening? His heart's changing. His heart is beginning to form. And he's understanding that everything that's happening, I deserve it. But God, remember me. And what does God tell him? Today you will be with me in paradise. Two different cries. Two different hearts. One who's selfish and one who takes it. One who's willing to take the pain because of what he deserves. Amen. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. His thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon him. The moment you can tell yourself, God, I understand people are bad to me. But you know what? I understand they're selfish just like me. They're human just like me. Don't do anything to them, God, because I need your help too. God saved it. And that's what Jesus tells us. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Why? Because we're nothing too. And see, Saul had this mindset. Here was this big chiefly of a man king who had this little mentality of who he was. We all start that way. The problem was he sat on his throne. And didn't realize he was a captain, not a king. The Bible says that Jesus is king of kings and lords of lords. Because you are placed in offices of kings and offices of lords. But understanding that that's not your throne. That's not my throne. That is his throne. He's the one that sits on the throne. And I told God, okay, God. For now on, I'll seat you on my throne. I won't sit there. I'll try my hardest, God. Every time those thoughts come, nope, shoot them out. Get them out. You're on the throne, Jesus, not me. You're on the throne, Jesus, not me. And he said, he goes, that's all you have to do. That's all you have to do is remember, I am sitting on the throne of your heart. So if anything is coming your way, it's because I will it because you're in my will and I want good for you. I really do, he says. In Revelations 3 and 19, it says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. You see, Jesus is standing at the door, knocking. So what does that mean? That means I'm on the other side of the door. And if I'm on the other side of the door, what am I doing? I'm sitting down on my throne. And he's saying, hey, look. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to condemn you. He said that. I'm not here to condemn the world, but to save it. All I want is... You don't know, get up off your throne, walk to the door, open it up. Come in, Jesus. Yes. Yes. Amen. Now watch this. To him, I will come in and I will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me on my throne. What does that mean, overcome it? Logic again. The mind. I don't have to be this way. I don't have to do those drugs. I don't have to. Over and over, I'm not on the throne. Because now I'm a servant. And he's, I'm telling you the way he talked to me and the way I see this. So that's kind of why it kind of. Okay? Yeah. You let him in. You're off your throne. He sits down. Lord, what do you want? I'm your servant. Now. What do you want? Oh, I want you to come and sit. What do you mean you want me to come? Yeah, come. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to push you into the ground. I'm not here to step on you. Come sit with me. Come join me. To them that overcome, I will let them sit with me. That's all he wants. He wants to just come in and sit with you. And when you realize... That he's in control. Then it doesn't matter what comes your way. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter who bothers you. It doesn't matter who tries to make you upset. Why? Because I know they're in it for themselves. He said, just think about that. Think about that's a That's a great revelation right there. Anybody that's putting any hurt on you, they're thinking about themselves. So guess what? I don't have to worry about it. Because I'm not... Thinking about myself no more. I'm thinking about Him. And I'm in His will. So I'm not going to let it hurt me. I'm not going to let it control me. Because He's on the throne now. He's the one that's in control. So I can have all joy and peace. That's where joy and peace comes from. It comes from Jesus sitting on the throne. Amen? Amen? The Apostle Paul... In Philippians, this is my closing scripture, brother. You can come Philippians three and ten says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. This is one of my favorite scriptures, and I know I've quoted it a lot of times. But the Lord showed me something again in this one, and it was it was when I saw it, I was like, oh man, I was just I was just in awe. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Now I understand Paul. He was a man who had a great pedigree. Okay, when you read in Philippians, he, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was His name was Saul. This is what's funny. His name was Saul. He was a Benjamite. He came from the tribe of Benjamin, just like Saul the king, the first king. And this is what was neat about him. Is he understood he... Didn't, he understood he wasn't, how could I say, he understood he wasn't without sin. Okay, he understood all men were sin, sinful before God. Okay. But in his mind, he understood he was blameless. And that's how he walked around. See, he says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. A Pharisee it came from the strictest of parents. Taught under the greatest of men had great understanding of how this all works you can't throw mud on me he was on his throne I'm blameless see he understood he he knew he wasn't sinless he just knew he was blameless he knew you couldn't say anything because I pray I I come to church I witness I do this I do that I'm blameless so I can sit on my throne but this is what he found out. He said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. In other words, man, I want to die just like you. Everything that Jesus went through, he understood, man, I want to go through. Why? Because I put people in prison, I separated family. You know, They're talking about family separation around here. He did all that. He took children. Wives and husbands and mothers. Separated them. Killed them. Hold the cloaks of murderers. And when God slapped him off his high horse and blinded him. He said, you know what? I deserve it. I want to die. Because I deserve it. I deserve everything that comes to me. Any wrong, any bad situation, I deserve it because I know who I was. And he said, if by any means I attain unto the resurrection, he's trying to he's trying to grab hold of the power of God, seeing that Christ was perfect, yet he suffered. And Paul is saying, I'm trying to attain it. I I know I have to suffer. I know I'm going to take the blood of everything. So I'll do it. I just want to hold on to this power. I want God. I want Jesus. Just like each and every one of us. We want God. But he says, not as though I had already attained it. In other words, I'm still working at it. Either we're already perfect. I understand I'm not perfect. But I follow after if that I may apprehend. In other words, I'm, I'm looking to who's going to do bad to me next in a sense. If God is telling me to go here, I'm waiting for somebody to whip me. I'm waiting to be put in prison because I'm trying to apprehend it. I'm trying to grab it. The power of God. He says, but when I do that, that for which I also am apprehended by Christ Jesus. Now read that. He says, "If that I may apprehend, if that which I'm trying to grab, that for which I also am apprehended by Christ Jesus. What happened is he says, because I'm looking for it, because I'm taking the pain, and I'm, I'm I don't care what happens to me. I find that because I'm grabbing and looking for it." Jesus was looking for me. That's all he said. That's what he's saying there. He said, all this time that I was trying to do this, Jesus was there all the time. He was there. It wasn't me, Pastor. When I realized how insignificant I was, he was already there apprehending me. His arm was already out. If you would stand His arm was already out, ready to receive me, amen, ready to grab a hold of me. So all this time, it was him really apprehending me, is what he's saying. That's how powerful God is. That's how wonderful he is. Let him change your heart. and when he changes your heart let the heart of God change your logic let's say God now I want your heart to will your will in my mind and this is the last thing he told me I want to sit on the throne of your heart and from the beginning of your imagination to the end of your logic I want to have dominion The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The imagination, the moment you begin to imagine, I want it to be Jesus. The end of my logic, I want it to be Jesus. He says, because it's then you'll obtain my power. It's then you'll be able to overcome anything that comes your way. Wonderful God, we come before you, Lord. Mighty God, we know we're insignificant, God. I know personally myself, God, the struggles I go through. The shortcomings, God, of who I am. Lord, but I no longer will allow my logic to put fear in my heart, God. I've given myself to you, Jesus. And I've wanted my heart to be changed, God. Lord, come sit on my throne, Jesus. Come have dominion over my mind, God. Come speak your word of life, Lord, into me, God. That I may know you, God, in the power of your resurrection. That the spiritual man, the spiritual woman inside of me will come forth and do your will, God. Oh, wonderful Jesus. Oh, come on, church, let's worship him, Lord.